friends here at church, Hadayat. Uh, the book's called Everything Sad is Untrue, and it's about these refugees from Iran that came to live in Edmond, Oklahoma. And he said, uh, the, the author, Daniel Nairi, said that there are two ways to endure a refugee camp. You can um, essentially go through it like this is all that there is and there's nothing better coming for you, like you're going to get a cup of soup at the end. Or you can roll through the refugee camp knowing and believing that there's a better life for you on the other end. And if you do it that way, he said, it's like winning the lottery. It's like knowing that you got $100 million coming for you. And he said that his mother uh, was an unstoppable force because that's how she lived her life especially at this refugee camp. She believed that there was a better life on the other end, and she believed that her future was uh, not just bright, but it would be a whole new type of existence. And that changed how she uh, experienced the present, how she functioned in the present, especially under hard circumstances. Now, Revelation 21 and 22 is giving you what your future will be like. And it informs how these Christians in the first century lived. These are the last two chapters of the Bible. And what it's explaining is how it's all going to end. Now, remember, this book, Revelation, was written to real people in the first century, uh, seven churches in Asia Minor. And they were wondering how to actually be faithful followers of Jesus Christ, how to be Christians in the midst of chaotic circumstances and suffering and death. And they were wondering, is it possible? Is it possible to be faithful to Christ in this world? And John, to answer that need, is given a, a vision today that it's so magnificent that it's kind of hard to describe. And this is what we see today. Uh, this is the goal of everything. Um, whether that's human relationships whether it's the, the pain or pleasure that you experience as a person, whether it's worldly joy or sadness, it all has a goal in mind. A telos, as they said in ancient Greek language. And, and here's the point. Uh, the goal of everything is to experience, embody, and reflect the glory of God. Now, what does that mean? Um, it's hard to describe. So John gives us an image. He, he uh, gives us a word picture. He said God's people, in order to embody this, are like a city. Now, we've seen that God's people are a bride. We've seen that Jesus is a bridegroom. That he's a lamb. But John's doing something that apocalyptic literature does all the time. They mix their metaphors. And the reason he's doing that is because when you're going through hard stuff in your life, more than anything else, what you need is a different category to approach your life. You need to expand your imagination. And that's exactly what John does here with this city. And so I want to look at this city's glory, its gold, and its gifts today. So look at your text in Revelation 21, verses 9 through 11, I want, I want to describe the city's glory um, as we walk through this text. 
says, Then came one of the seven angels who had the seven bowls full of the seven last plagues, and he spoke to me, saying, Come, I'll show you the bride, the wife of the Lamb. And he carried me away in the spirit to a great high mountain and showed me the holy city Jerusalem coming down out of heaven from God, having the glory of God, its radiance like a most rare jewel, like jasper, clear as crystal. Now, again, what is glory? That's a religious word, right? Glory is God's substantive weight. Is that clear? Um, if, you're, if you're falling for somebody. It's, glory is the reason why you can kiss somebody and you're kind of like, meh. And you can kiss another person and it's like you've been transported to like UFO world, wherever Baker Mayfield is, right? Did y'all hear that? Baker Mayfield apparently saw a UFO this past week. Um, it is uh, religious philosophy calls this the axis moon. It's the place where heaven and earth touch each other. You get a little glimpse of this when you go to a concert that blows you away. You get a little glimpse of this when you fall for somebody and you cannot stop thinking about them. You get a little glimpse of this when you go to a sporting event and your team actually wins for once. You get a tiny little taste of what it's like when you eat food that just is, is amazing, or you go on a beautiful hike, or you, you stand in front of a piece of art that transfixes you. And the biblical category for that is called glory. It's weightiness. Then some things have more weight to your heart than others, and God says that that weight, that's what I'm about. And when I have that kind of weight in the hearts of human beings, that's the point of everything. That's what this city is going to be like. God says it is going to be so full of me and full of my weighty presence. Verses 16 and 17, the city lies four square, its length the same as its width, and he measured the city with its rod, 12,000 stadia, its length and width and height are equal. He also measured its wall, 144 cubits by human measurement, which is also an angel's measurement. Um, it's a perfect cube, and it's enormous. It's a 1,300 miles in each direction which is about from here to the West Coast. And it's all made of full uh, gold and pearls and precious stones everywhere. The cube, there's only one cube in Scripture. Um, it's the Holy of Holies. And that's where God chose to reveal himself on earth in the Old Testament. Now, I, I want you to think meta for me. Kids, you may be able to help me better right here. Um, Imagine trying to enter something that you created. Like you wrote a story or you painted a painting and you tried to like get inside the thing that you created. The idea behind the Holy of Holies is that God is too big. He's too much. He's too beautiful to make himself comprehensible and enjoyable to us. And so this is what he does. He says, I'm going to make myself known to them in a particular location called the Holy of Holies. And the idea here is that this new city 
The whole thing is the Holy of Holies. That's why you have these measurements that are the same in heaven's metrics as they are on earth. The image here is that the whole world becomes full of God. And it's like the whole world is like the Garden of Eden plus a city. And the whole world has become, in essence, what you've been trying to look for in everything. That's what you're after. Glory. My friend uh, had a daughter and she had very extravagant grandparents. And uh, my buddy's dad, so her, her grandfather said, hey, I want you, I'm not going to be able to celebrate her birthday in person this year. I would like for you to take her to Toys R Us. Is Toys R Us still a thing anymore? It's shut down. That's a shame. Um, I want you to take her to Toys R Us, and I want you to, to buy her anything that she wants in the whole store. And he was like, okay. Um, and so he takes her, and she, she's walking through the store, and she's pointing out things that she wants. And at one point, she turns around, and she said, Dad, are you getting all of these things down that I'm pointing to? And the, the dad said, said, honey, your grandfather said you could have the whole store if you want. That's the idea here behind this city. And it sort of takes the wind out of our consumeristic approach to life because the whole city is so full of everything that you could ever want because it's full of God's love for you. The whole thing's yours because the whole thing's God's. And uh, that's what heaven's going to be like. And the second point uh, is even better than that one. Um, the city's gold. Look at verse 14 and 18. And the wall of the city had 12 foundations, and on them were the 12 names of the 12 apostles of the Lamb. Skip down to verse 18. The wall was built... Of Jasper, while the city was pure gold like clear glass, and the foundations of the walls of the city were adorned with every kind of jewel. And then it lists all those jewels that uh, Arya read for us. Um, what, what does this mean? Well, the walls and the foundations of the city of heaven are these different costly stones and metals and gold and pearls, and they are representative of the 12 tribes of Israel and the apostles, which are the complete people of God across all time. And uh, here's the meaning behind that. If you are a Christian, if you're in Christ, you are the gold. You are the pearly gates. You are the pure glass, the, the jasper, the crystal, the crystal. Now, many commentators and preachers, they, they pointed this out. Um, and I'm, I was a little bit embarrassed that I have never thought about this before, because when I think about heaven, I often think about imagining walking on streets of gold and the gold so prevalent that it's like asphalt here in, in our world. But that's not the picture here. The picture here is something far different. The picture here is that you are the gold. That you are the city. You're the foundation of heaven itself. 
Now look, look how, uh, this is, it blew me away this week. Um, we often think that, uh, I want to be sensitive right now, because we have people that have lost loved ones in this room and watching virtually. But we often think about heaven, and we think, will I get to speak with those who have died? Will I get to talk to them again? And I think John's vision is saying, brother and sister, uh, you are and will be the very embodiment of heaven with other people. Not only will you see each other and talk to one another again, but you will be so at one with one another, foundational to one another, that you will, you will be the habitation of God himself. Meaning, it will be like you saw them for the first time. The idea is that we're living in a shadow reality right now. Whispers of what's to come. Phantoms. Yes, you'll get a chance to talk to your loved ones, but what Revelation is trying to get you to imagine is that what, what if you don't even know what a real conversation is yet? You've never talked to someone without sin and without defilement, without the threat of death. Can you imagine a person, your child, your parent, your enemy, uh, as someone so perfect because nothing has ever gone wrong with them, nor will ever go wrong with them again, they will be like, the only way to describe it is that they're like pure gold. This is the Christian view of the end times, which informs how you relate to people in the present, that you are to train your mind to imagine what people will look like in glory. And you are to treat them as such. Not just perfect, but beautiful. You know why? It's because this is how Jesus looks at you. You know, many times uh, we imagine the worst for people. But this passage is getting us to imagine the best. This is why these early Christians would pray and hope and care for the Romans that were torturing them because they had this in mind and they actually, they actually believed it. If you don't believe in this, you won't be able to ultimately face suffering with faith. And you'll try and escape hard things in your life through fleeting pleasures that will never satisfy. And that will only pale, they're like shadows compared to this. The future changes everything about how we live in the present. Um, look, when the, in the Old Testament, when the priest would uh, go into the Holy of Holies, he wore a breastplate of uh, 12 stones, which represented the 12 tribes of Israel that you see in 19 through 21 in our passage. And I, if you go back and read what these people were like in the Old Testament, starting in the middle of Genesis... I'm not being hyperbolic. Like, they were terrible people. They make a mess of everything. And yet God wants to be with them. These are the people that God wants to reflect him in the world. 
They are the exact people that form the foundation of, of heaven itself. Now, how is that possible? It's possible because Jesus is our priest. He is our husband. He is our representative. He's our lover. He's the very substance of the universe, and he's our radiance. And that when you give yourself to him, when, when you let his glory overtake you, that's the point of your life. Our beauty comes from him. It's derivative. And what this means is the Old Testament and New Testament uh, misfits of the world finally have a home in, in Christ. We know where to go. Uh, and the reason why God chooses people like this is to help us see that everything in this world pale, pales in comparison to what's to come. And the only people that really get that on earth are the ones who have really made a mess of things. Or who are so desperate and poor or oppressed or needy that they cry out for help. And God's like, I can work with that. That's what I want my city to be like. They actually have uh, a way to reflect me because they, they need me. Uh, this city's full of glory. It's full of gold. You are the gold. And this city's full of gifts. Look at verses 23 through 26. And the city has no need. Just imagine this. The city has no need of sun or moon to shine on it. For the glory of God gives it light and its lamp is the lamb. By its light will nations walk and the kings of the earth will bring their glory into it. And its gates will never be shut by day and there will never be night there. And they will bring into it the glory and honor of the nations. Now, the idea here is what I read to, to bring us in the call to worship. But it was an Old Testament uh, prophecy in Isaiah 60 carried on throughout the rest of the prophecy that these nations will flood into Jerusalem and bring their very best stuff to God simply because they want to honor him. So the ways in which they've been blessed, the ways in which they reflect beauty, the ways in which like other cultures are awesome, they bring it back to God and share it. With other people reflecting it back to God. Now, uh, there are so many ways to, to practice this uh, today. But I think part of what this means is that like, um, and I've said this from the pulpit before. When you are the most awake during the day, or the most alive, or the most alert... Um, try this. Try saying to God, and this would be called prayer, saying to God, God, I usually give my best attention, my most alert times to my work, to my addiction, to my children, because I want to be a good parent, whatever. But today, I want to give my most alert attention to you. So what do you want me to know? How can I glorify you? How can I reflect you? How can I give honor to you? Show me. You have my best stuff right now. That's what it means to be uh, consecrated unto God, the first fruits. That's what it means to tithe, I think. Spir spirituality can be physical. What do I mean? Um, I was at Kevin Shin's house a couple of days ago with some other guys in here. And Kevin Shin made the best pretzel I have ever had in my life. 
And I, yo, I get emotional about food, like in a good way. And I was like, this is like, this is amazing. And in heaven, um, everything that everyone's good at will be there and it will be shared. And no one will ever take or steal anything. The, the gates in this city are for decor, not defense, is what verse 25 means. Which means that there will always be complete safety and rest, and you'll have time to enjoy anything and everything you'll ever want to enjoy. You'll, you, you can. Every ethnic group will bring their best stuff into this city. And that's what, like, if you go visit a new place, what, that's what you want. Like, hey, take me to the thing. What's the thing that you guys are good at? That's why everybody that comes to visit Nebraska, I take them straight to Runza, right? <laughs> this is nowhere else to be found except here. And, and like, most people, they're, like, not very wild by the Runza, but they are wild by the, the cinnamon rolls mixed with chili. And they're like, I, we should have thought about that. That's amazing. Um, it is okay to be proud of where you're from. But the gifts we've received as nations or as cultures or as people whose different ethnicities were meant to reflect the beauty of God. And I, and I do mean this phrase, and it's a big one, but, but imagine it with me. It's, it's like a kaleidoscope of non-competitive diversity. The, the closest image you have is like the opening uh, ceremonies at the Olympic Games. But this city will be brighter and more vivid than anything you've ever seen. And when we all bring our gifts back to one another and back to God, um, it'll be beautiful. It'll be like heaven. So here's, uh, here's what I mean. Whenever you see the word praise in Scripture... Don't just think music. Imagine building something or making something that reflects God. Imagine using your, uh, your work abilities, whether you're good at finance or construction. Uh, imagine learning from Mother Teresa how to care for people. Imagine learning Mandarin. Uh, the best food of every place, the best athletes that have ever lived, and you all you melt that all together and, and housed in this one city that reflects the goodness of God. That's your future. When that happens, everything that we think of as normal in our world will be like tangential. It'll make the sun and the moon look dark, like shadows. This is what all of creation is waiting on. Romans 8. That creation is waiting to be released from death and decay. It says that its neck is outstretched. Now just think about that. The whole world is waiting on something concerning you, for you to be united to Christ. And when it happens, it, it'll look like this city of glory and anything that we've ever suffered here in this world won't even be worth comparing to that glory. So here's how we're going to end. Uh, your purpose, my purpose, is to glorify God and enjoy Him forever. That can begin now 
by accepting the invitation to follow Jesus. Now, when you hear me say that, you probably heard that if you've ever been to church. A lot of times that's an invitation to non-Christians, which it is, but it's also an invitation to Christians. That's why we come to this table every single week, because it's an altar call for Christians as well as non-Christians. Because we forgot that this is our future. And if we actually believed it, it wouldn't just like put a giddy up in our step. It would change us. It would change everything. That you were made for God's glory. And he's going to pour it into you. And through you, he's going to pour it into the world. And redeem everything. Uh, That is the story of the gospel. That's what he's making the church into. And that's where we're headed in the future. Uh, Next week, Steve Allen is going to close us out with this series from Revelation 22. Um, But I've so enjoyed uh, walking through Revelation with you guys in the strangest year of my life. So let's pray. Father, uh, we thank you for your glory. We thank you for your beauty. Into the world, rejoice.